You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday, January the 26th, coming to you once again from Florida, ahead of the Pegasus World Cup at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. And with that uppermost in our minds, I will be speaking a little bit later in the show to Dr. Dion Benson, Chief Veterinary Officer for First Racing and their family of tracks, about the rapid response to the very worrying case of equine herpes virus that broke out in Barn 21 here at Gulfstream Park earlier this week it's been quite a titanic effort on behalf of everyone concerned and fingers crossed they've got that situation firmly under control we'll also be wondering later in the program with our saudi correspondent martin kelly whether the winner of this weekend's race will then make it over to the world's most valuable horse race the 2023 running of the saudi cup but we must start as is customary it seems at the moment with a a weather watch from the uk in advance of this uh, extraordinary fixture that we're hoping will take place at cheltenham on Saturday, John Pullen, the clerk of the course, said temperatures were a bit slower to rise yesterday. David Yates joins me from the Daily Mirror. And Dave, at some point, I'm guessing they want to get some some covers down on the track. The uh, Cheltenham ground staff will deploy the uh, frost covers for Friday night and Saturday. That should um, protect the racing surface from uh, the freeze on Friday night, and it, it'll be not a severe freeze, according uh, to those predicting the weather, and then that should be okay. So um, whilst it's still something of a mixed bag, the picture at Cheltenham yesterday was uh, slower than anticipated, but it did come for a couple of hours. It took some of the frost out of the ground. That is expected uh, to continue over the next couple of days. And the, the the crucial point, I suppose, with the frost covers is that you can't put them down if there is frost in the ground, because all that does is just hold the status quo and it traps the frost in the ground. If that's out, uh, then going Friday night into Saturday, if there is a slight frost and the covers are down, this should be okay. Certainly, I'm sure for for those of us who work in the the, the print uh, side of the racing media, this uh, thaw can't come soon enough. I've been I was going to I was gonna say you're you're doing a very passable job as a meteorologist at the moment. I've been doing this job, I think, about 30 years, although it doesn't seem like that. And and uh, synonyms for meeting that has been cancelled or indeed abandoned. I've got cards fixtures, uh, a program on the all-weather, action, of course. Or in the case of Cheltenham, of course, this Saturday, that certainly qualifies as a nine-race jamboree. No question about that. So we've got meeting, card, fixture, program, action, jamboree. If anyone has any uh, names to add to that, nouns to add to that list, uh, please contact Nick Luck at his postal address, and I promise I'll get them in the next time it gets cold. Um, can I have a word for Bonanza? Bonanza, could you use that yeah, this weekend? Yeah, definitely. definitely Bonanza could go. I think in. I might, so that, I might it has it. to be has to be eight or more, I would say, for Bonanza. Unless it's like uh, there are loads of graded races on a seven. I think we could, I we could crowbar that one in. Well, which leads me neatly on, because we don't just throw this thing together, to Cheltenham, if it goes ahead. We've talked about it a lot this week. We've heard from lots of connections. If there's one horse that would make you get in the car and go... Who is it? Who are you most looking forward to seeing? Which which puzzle do you most want answered by Trials Day? 
Well, I will be getting in the car to go to Cheltenham and uh, the horse that I'm most looking forward to seeing, no doubt about it, it's Noble Yates. Um, not just because uh, we share the same name, but th the fact that this horse was a Grand National winner at seven and he's now a Gold Cup contender, I think is really interesting. Um, in terms of Robert Whaley Cohen, the owner, he can scarcely believe that um, after, what is it, 11 years... Um, after winning the Cheltenham Gold Cup uh, with his son, Sam, uh, they've now got, or, or he now has, a Grand National winner and another Gold Cup contender. So having won the Many Clouds race at uh, the chase at Cheltenham in December, this is another piece in the jigsaw, isn't it, for Noble Yates to get, um, to advance his claims uh, for the Cheltenham Gold Cup, and he's second favourite for, for the Cotswold chase at the moment. Protectorat is the market leader. But if he takes another step forward, then um, he's certainly going to be a massive player at Cheltenham on March the 17th. And that, really, this this weekend is part of the beauty of it. it and that's been, been part of the beauty of, of the Gold Cup this season. Yes, Galopin Deschamps appears to be you know, the horse that is moving forward, even though we've only seen him run once this season. And, and he's a he's a worthy favourite. Yes, if Aplutar came back, but it's a big if. And there and there are plenty of good, solid horses who are improving, who are suddenly appearing on the scene. And you, you know, you'd place Sounds Russian in the same category. If he suddenly posted a bold effort at the weekend, he suddenly becomes a Gold Cup horse as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the really interesting thing about uh, the Cheltenham Gold Cup this year. I think that... Um, most most tipsters, I think, will probably seek to take uh, Galopin Deschamps on on the day, just because it, he'll likely be a short price and there will be doubts about um, his stamina. And there are questions to answer for, for all of those horses in behind. Um, Noble Yates, in his case, it's really whether he can continue his improvement. Um, he's about the same odds as the reigning title holder, Aplutar, of course, who was pulled up in uh, the Lancashire chase at uh, Haydock in November. Uh, but he's, he's one horse that in terms of his profile, although it's certainly a, a, a sort of idiosyncratic way of going to the Cheltenham Gold Cup with a Grand National under your belt um, or on your CV. Um, he looks like a horse who still has quite a big upside. So, yeah, 11 years after uh, long run, won Chasing's Blue Ribbon for Robert and Sam Whaley-Cohen. Uh, the owner has, I, I think, a really viable candidate. And, and I, I think he may well advance his claims again this Saturday. All right. Well, with that in mind, there might just be another surprise addition to the Gold Cup this year. It's it's still a, a longish shot at the moment, and the horse would need supplementing. But just have a listen to this. Um, if, if this came off, the trainer Sam Thomas, incidentally, would become the sixth man to ride and train the winner of the race. I'm not talking about Angel's Breath, who he entered originally. I'm talking about uh, I Will Do It, recent winner of the classic chase at Warwick, who needs one more run, of course, in order to qualify for the Grand National, because he's only had five chases at the moment. So I put it to Sam Thomas. He needs to make his mind up fast about what this horse does um, for the remainder of the campaign. This is what he had to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if we were to get that last run in to qualify, we need to get him out for, uh, what is it, the 19th, I think. So, um, yeah, I've got the uh, Denman Chase as a possibility and then the race at Ascot also. So we've got those options uh, should we want to go down the Grand National route. Um, that still is a decision to be decided between uh, sort of the owner, breeder, syndicate manager and myself, really. But, um, 
yeah, I think if we were to do that, you know, if we are going to go down that route, Nick, we obviously need to uh, act fast and get him out, get him out soon. Uh, and if we don't, then we uh, don't have to rush so much. And um, the other option is potentially looking a little bit later um, at sort of France, potentially for the Grand Steep Paris in, in May, uh, which would mean he would need to go out there for a qualifying on sort of uh, five weeks a month before that as well. So, yeah, whatever way we go, we do, we do need to uh, make some decisions. So it could be the Grand Steep de Paris. If you, if you go to the Denman chase and you're competitive in the Denman chase or even win the Denman chase, have you then suddenly got a gold cup horse on your hands and would you consider supplementing him? Uh, that would be uh, a dream and uh, I'm sure we'd have to uh, seriously consider it if we were to go and uh, run well or win uh, the Denman chase, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Nick obviously will cross that bridge when we came to it. But like, like I say, if we were to go and, uh, and, and win that, then, yeah, for sure, I think we'd have to take the Gold Cup very seriously. Uh, I did, it, did, it did cross my mind when you had Angel's Breath in the Gold Cup and then I will do it one on the same day. I thought, oh, Sam might have put the wrong one in here. <laughs> Yeah, look. If, if you just said to me that we were considering even, you know, even having this conversation about I will do it, winning the uh, running in the Gold Cup, you know, a few years ago, I, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's incredible how his journey's come along. And um, yeah, let, let's like I say, let's hope that he can just progress, and uh, let's hope that it is a, a head scratching problem we, we might have later in the season. And just to put a button on it, as far as the Grand National's concerned, would you advise people to not back him yet? Would you say his participation is not absolutely certain? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say leave it. Yeah, I think if we were to run in the Grand National, I think it could well be next season. Um, you know, I say he's only ten, but he's he's got limited miles on the clock, and I think uh, next season might be the, the year for, his, for him to be running in the National. Really, um, so um, yeah, I, I'd advise people not to go crazy on backing him this year for sure. Okay, I wanted to just ask about one other horse who is it reasonably prominent in the betting for the uh, the Betfair Hurdle. Dear Mark, how's he getting on? Yeah, good as gold, Nick. Um, you know, he's just ticking along nicely. Um, yeah, we love him. He's not overly big, but he's really come into his own recently and has proved me wrong on, on, on handling the ground. Uh, we all thought he's a better ground horse, so it's delighted to see him win uh, the last day. So, yeah, really happy and just, just, just pray to God we can sneak him in. So there you have it. There's another one. Don't back him for the Grand National. And it's not a million to one that he ends up supplemented for the, the Gold Cup. I didn't really see that one coming, Dave. No, I didn't. Either, um, in, but- in either respect. But but it sort of makes perfect sense though, doesn't it? Um, he's got a rating of 155 according to the British Horse Racing Authority number crunchers. Obviously, that leaves him uh, a few pounds still to find with the, the the market leaders of the Cheltenham Gold Cup. But we have in our own minds, Nick. I think that you know we we talk endlessly of of how uh, Cheltenham drains and and drains almost uh, too efficiently. But for every three or four of those years when by the time we get to the Friday, the ground is getting, I think in many of our minds, slightly uncomfortably quick. There are the years 2015, Coney Gree, 2018, Native River, uh, where the race is run on soft and softening ground. If it's fast and drying ground on the Friday at Cheltenham, well, they wouldn't run. They wouldn't declare on the Wednesday. But if it were, and as we again often say on the NLD, uh, the elements are increasingly hard to predict uh, in Britain and I suppose everywhere else too at the moment. If it is um, a deluge and it's softening ground, then why wouldn't you throw I will do its hat in the ring? I certainly would, I must say. 
Well, if you were with me on the podcast yesterday, you'll have heard me talking to Aidan Butler, the chief executive of First Racing, about the case of EHV, equine herpes virus, that was detected in one of the barns here at Gulfstream Park. I've come down to the barn in question, or just outside, with Dr. Dion Benson, who's responsible for uh, all of the veterinary measures across the whole first family of, of racetracks here, California and in Maryland. And Dr. Benson, this is quite some operation that we're, we're watching here. Just remind me when, when the case of EHV was discovered. Yeah, so on Saturday morning, I got a call about six in the morning that said we had a horse that was down and uh, we immediately locked down the barn and took steps to get that horse to a local clinic um, and after that, we had the bar. Since that time, we have had the barn in complete lockdown. All right. So just to give you an idea here, you've got a seven or eight foot perimeter fence has been er- erected all the way around. There's probably 200 meters worth of, of chain link fencing all the way around that's been put up in, in no time at all. I'm just watching one of the veterinary officers. He's, he's taking off his hazmat suit white suit just at the outside of the barn he's then dipping his feet in the in the disinfectant it reminds me very much of almost when we had a foot and mouth uh, epidemic back in back in the uk all those years ago yeah so the the most the biggest danger we have with any equine outbreak it's very rarely transmitted horse to directly from horse to horse it's humans bringing it through the barn and not being careful as they're coming out and um, or as they're touching other horses. So the horse that in question, you know, his stall was clean and emptied and it remains empty. Um, any brushes or chain, you know, any, any shanks or anything that were used on him have been disinfected and will not be used on another horse, you know, quick, very quickly, give it time to, to um, pass through and, and hopefully we don't have another case in this barn. Um- what happens to the horses that are currently in this barn, 21? So they're under lockdown. They can't run or go anywhere, presumably. How long for? So we've elected for a minimum 21-day lockdown, which is basically um, you've got two options when you're dealing with this equine herpes virus in the U.S. You can test, try and test every horse at 14 days and see if they all come back without a positive, or you can just wait the 21 days and provided you have no new symptomatic cases um, that test positive the quarantine will be lifted, hopefully. Um, Because we've done this in uh, um, Maryland before and had very bad luck with horses continuing to test positive, you know, a lot of horses just carry it. So we we have elected for the testing or for the the 21 day stand down. And you've had the the test back from the laboratory now, so you know exactly what strain of EHV it is. Am I right in thinking it's not as serious as it could be? Yeah, I mean, certainly any EHV is serious, but we did, we got the test back and it's the non-neurologic strain, which usually means that it's been latent in a horse, kind of just sitting there and all of a sudden something stresses the horse, causes it to recrudesce, and then we have an outbreak. And and so in that case, it's usually more responsible for for abortions, which we don't have to worry too much in our racing population. Um, And instead, you know, it's it's less likely to cause the neurologic form. Now, obviously, the, the law of sod has dictated that this has happened in Gulfstream Park's most important week of the year, coming up to the Pegasus World Cup on Saturday. How much extra strain has that placed on you? I mean, certainly our, our security and our operations people had to do yeoman's work in getting the fence up, getting the, the, the perimeter in place, monitoring the perimeter. I mean, I think for the vets, you know, we have to do a little bit of extra work but certainly nothing compared to the rest of the departments that really chipped in. I mean, I, I believe the gate crew or the, the turf crew came out off the turf on Sunday and 
came to help put the fence up. I mean, it was just unbelievable how quickly we got this done and how um, effective it has been. That's good news and keeping our fingers very firmly crossed, but I'd imagine you're going to be incredibly vigilant right up and, and beyond Saturday. Absolutely. Every horse in this barn we've temped, you know, is, is twice daily temperature logs. We are walking through on a daily basis to ensure there are no horses that even look like they're sick. Um, we are making sure anyone who comes out of this barn leaves directly and does not come back into the barn area, does not go to any other barn area. Um, it, no owners, you know, only necessary personnel are coming in here. Uh, we contact traced every horse that had come out of this barn, has gone anywhere else in the world. Um, and we're trying to make sure that those horses, uh, you know, the people who have those horses are watching them carefully. Dr. Benson, thanks very much. I hope it all goes well this week. Thank you. Dr. Dion Benson, that's quite a titanic effort, what they've done here, Dave, to, to protect not just this fixture, but for the remainder of the, the meat and all the horses from um, equine herpes uh, outbreak earlier in the week. Did very much remind me of the old foot and mouth days with all the guys in the hazmat suits and the and the sort of walking through the, the disinfectant. Should just add that I saw both Richard Kingscoat and Frankie Dottori in, in action yesterday at Gulfstream Park. They both rode close up thirds. They both gave me a good shout because I backed them both out of out of loyalty and Dottori's got 10 rides on on Saturday I did ask him yesterday whether he'd ever had 10 rides in a day before he said he'd ridden 12 once when he was going for the championship with Kieran Fallon in 2004 he said he'd had seven at one and five at the other but he'd certainly never had 10 rides on one card before which is um takes a bit of doing yeah it certainly does well I mean in Britain now you can't do that um because you're allowed to ride at just one meeting today uh per day unless of course uh, there might be an amalgamation of a couple of cards going to a 10 race uh, jamboree at a race course on any one day. Right, Dave, let's switch it back to today, to jumping to Ireland this time. And Goran Park's big day of the year, the Thiestes Chase. And all eyes will be not just on that, but on the chasing appearance of, of Sir Gerhard. Yeah, this is a um, a story of a of a horse's turnaround in uh, condition, I suppose, over the last month. Remember, uh, it was just around Christmas that it was reported, uh, just before Christmas, indeed, that it was reported Sir Gerhard would not make his chasing debut at Leopardstown uh, during the festive period, that he'd had a setback. At the time, uh, Richard Thompson, the director of the Cheveley Park Stud, who um, owns the Willie Mullins eight-year-old, said it, it would be unlikely in his estimation that Sir Gerhard would make it to the Cheltenham Festival, where, of course, in the past two years, he's won uh, the Weatherby's Champion Bumper and the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. Then, of course, um, Sir Gerhard has, has made strides and he's ready now to make his debut over fences in the Daily Farrell Chartered Accountants Beginners Chase on the Thaestes Chase undercard at Goran today. And the Cheltenham Festival is very much back on the agenda for Sir Gerhard. Um, if you look at odds comparison sites, you'll see that you know he's he's prominent in the, in the list for both the uh, the Arkle and the Turner's Novices Chase. That, of course, doesn't always mean that horses are going to run. But in this case, if all goes well today, uh, Richard Thompson told me yesterday that they thought uh, about a, a, a week and a half, nine, ten day gap between uh, 
today and the Dublin Racing Festival was too little uh, for this horse to run there. But they might, uh, as long as everything goes to plan today, and Sir Gerhard is a very short price favourite. Two of his of his four rivals have come out uh, today, so he's only got two opponents to face. Um, if everything goes to plan today, they will probably look at a second appearance over fences in mid-February and then go on to one of those two races. Um, Richard Thompson said it depends what Willie's got in the Turners and the Arkle. Um, the I think the, the perception of Sir Gerhard as a, um, a two-and-a-half-miler who has the speed for two. That was pretty much what we stuck to over hurdles last year, wasn't it? Because they were thinking about the Supreme Novices or the Ballymore uh, until close to the time. Uh, that still that still stands. So they'll be looking at the two-mile Arkle or the two-and-a-half-mile uh, turners and make a decision, move their tiles around the board, according to uh, the <laughs> how strong in inverted commas, the mm. Clasartan representation is in those races. But Sir Gerhard, in summary, Sir Gerhard very much uh, back in action today with the uh, Cheltenham Festival squarely in his sights. Dave, John Gosden has become the latest senior figure to speak out on the subject of affordability checks, racing's hottest topic uh, at present and, and gathering momentum the closer we get to the publication of the white paper Lydia and I discussed this earlier in the week this sort of parading of every senior racing uh, person from all different stakeholders and whether in fact there's a there's a danger now and I'm, I'm not a communications expert so maybe the answer is just to keep banging the drum relentlessly and you know volume is king but is there a danger that this is just becoming white noise there is I mean there are there are two responses to that nick um the first is that i agree with um the 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 claim that this is i, I think that in terms of uh, every day on uh, in the the racing poster on the, the the trade papers website there is a prominent figure warning us of how affordability checks will not only uh, hit the sport and and dam- inflict uh, grave damage in a financial sense, sense, but also will drive punters into the arms of black marketeers. Um, it's something of a law of di- diminishing returns because it's it's a senior trainer or a senior industry figure. Uh, the people who are reading those stories are by nature involved in horse racing, 99.99% of them, and agree that intrusive affordability checks are a bad thing. Um, but the, the the second part of that response is, are those are, are those conversations being had in government in Whitehall uh, to, uh, to mollify, I suppose, the, the, the effect of, uh, of changes that are going to be brought in? Well, we would certainly be disappointed if that weren't the case. And if it is, we're not really going to know about it, are we? Because, you know, it's the it's the nature of the beast that um, over the last few years, not only horse racing, but any other sport, any other industry, indeed, when they have their conversations in Whitehall with government, they don't then go to the press and say, right, we have said this and we are waiting for a response. All those are behind closed doors. So um, I agree. I think that it's it is becoming, in a sense, white noise. And I think that the 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 impact of Every story decreases day on day, but 
I hope and I believe that there will be uh, constructive talks that are taking place behind closed doors. And I suppose we'll just have to see what the result of those happens to be uh, when the day finally comes. We might learn a little bit more tomorrow as we're covering the today's Betting and Gaming Council AGM. So um, hold that thought. All right, it's Thursday, and it's the day where we check in with Racing Welfare, supporting racing's workforce in so many important ways. And today I'm joined by Deputy Head of Welfare, Becky Ireland. And Becky, first of all, I, I know you wanted to highlight just, just the extent to which your the demand for your, your services are, are on the rise. Uh, yes, absolutely. So if we just look at the number of people we've supported during um, last year, 2022, we supported 2,740 people, which is a 14% rise on the number we supported in 2021, which obviously in itself was a busy year with everything that was going on. Have you got the the, the necessary resource to, to cope with that that rise in demand? Yeah, I mean, we've we've made some changes to the way that we serve people. So we certainly do a lot more online and via email, I think, like many people um, from, from the pandemic. So that, I guess, has, has reduced some of the time input. But certainly, um, you know, there are there are a lot of a lot of different ways that people might need support. And some of those are, are more time consuming than others. So, you know, it's something that we need to constantly look at as a charity and make sure that we have got that resource as well as that training and, and all of those other things that we need to do this sort of work. I mean, it's unsurprising that people continue to come to you for uh, help following injuries or, or illnesses, but I'm I'm really struck by the the extent to which the cost of living crisis has impacted on this on this rise in figures. Just just put some meat on the bones for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, physical health has always been the top reason that people come to us for support because of the industry that we serve. But um, in 2022, Money Matters accounted for 22% of all of the instances of support that we recorded. And when you compare that to 2021, it was 9.6%. So that's a huge rise, more than double in the number of people coming forward for help with finance as the primary reason. But a lot of what we do in in helping you on this podcast is appealing to people to to come to you. You don't want to frighten people off. Far from it. You you, you want people to use your service. Absolutely, that is what we hear what we're here for. So um, you're right. What what we really want to encourage people to do is to come forward really as early as possible with with whatever issue they have. So you know we have got currently ho open a home energy grant which can support people with the the energy costs that we know have been a big part of that cost of living rise. Um, but also just you know for general financial support advice guidance help with benefits there's there's an awful lot of things that we can look at for people that are struggling and if they want to get in touch it's just worth reiterating the the racing welfare app which has been launched recently have you have you seen good traffic through the app we certainly have it's only uh, been launched about a week ago mm. um it's available through the app store or through google play if you just search for racing welfare it'll come up um and we've seen pretty good traction already in in getting some some people downloading it right from you know from from people in yards through to to race courses and some trainers themselves as well so that's great really is the best way for people to keep up to date with our services because of course it can notify people yeah, if you need support or help from Racing Welfare in these tricky times, whether it be physical, mental, financial, 0800 6300443racingwelfare.co.uk or uh, head to the app. Becky, thanks so much. You're so welcome. Thank you, Nick. All right. Well, you know quite a bit about the Pegasus World Cup.
uh, now. What you might not know is that it's a, a qualifier for the Saudi Cup as well in a few weeks' time. And we've been tracking the road to Riyadh in the last few weeks in company of Martin Kelly, who joins me now. So um, it's quite possible, I suppose, that we could get the, the Pegasus winner, whoever uh, he might be, coming to coming to, to Riyadh in a, in a few weeks, Martin. It's happened before. It has, yeah. Two winners have come on from um, the Pegasus to run in Saudi, an automatic qualifier for the Saudi Cup. We had Nick Sko, who won in 2021, coming across and finishing fourth to Mishrif. And uh, Mucho Gusto, the winner in 2020, was fourth to Maximum Security. The horses of the likes of uh, White, uh, Albario and Defunded there, I think, already entered in the race itself, but they'll get an automatic invitation if they do win. And also you've got another qualifier there in Florida as well on Saturday, a qualifier for the Neon Turf Cup which is the Pegasus World Cup turf. And interestingly, Ivor, who runs there, already holds an entry in the Saudi Cup connections, are quite keen to put him onto the dirt in Riyadh. Yeah, I, I can see why. He's a very hardy, dependable, tough horse who, who takes his racing really well. And if you if you were going to switch, he'd be he'd be a good candidate for it as well. He's got plenty of pace. I think the question with him is whether he'd he'd really stay every yard on the dirt of that one turn nine furlongs. But we will see. It's certainly worth having a go. Um, it, it's a, a a big week to come domestically as well in, in Riyadh. Yes, the only qualifier domestically uh, for the Saudi Cup takes place on Saturday. This is the custodian of the Two Holy Mosques. Uh, the only race to carry Nick, um, an international classification outside of Saudi Cup night. Uh, it's got listed status over the course and distance of the Saudi Cup, 8-10 on Saturday. And many of the horses we've talked about in recent weeks all go head-to-head here. Electability, who was formerly trained by Chad Brown, was a good winner a couple of weeks ago in a domestic Group 2. My Frankel, who James Doyle rode to win the domestic Group 1 Crown Prince Cup, he's back in the lineup again. James once again on board. Uh, we've got Derivo in the same, the same ownership. He won last weekend in the King Saud Cup. The 1-2-3 from the Prince Khalid Abdullah Cup, which includes Kada for Bahrain. Eagles Flight and Luganini chased him home. They're back in the lineup again as well. We've got the King Faisal Cup winner, Scotland Road, who carries the same colours as Emblem Road, and the German Derby second, uh, Schwarzer Peter, also in the lineup. And just to give you a, an indication of the quality of that race, 22 of the 23 runners all rated 100 plus. And there are more chances for James Doyle to, to add to his domestic Group 1 tally. He, he's had a, a really productive time of it. He has, yeah, both in Dubai, back domestically when he's been riding. I think he's had three winners from five runners in the in the UK. Um, it's got well, he's had two domestic group ones so far, and he's got a chance in the other custodian of the two holy mosques. Another race carrying the same name. This is for locally trained horses only, and he's on uh, EBN uh, Laboon as well in race ten on Saturday. That horse looks to have an outstanding chance of giving the Doyler another domestic group one. Are there other qualifiers back in Riyadh on Friday? Yes, there are four of them, in fact. We've got a turf sprint qualifier. Last year's winner, Cold Front, formerly trained by William Haggis, is back once again. We've got a middle distance qualifier. We've got horses in there like Magisterial, formerly trained by the Gosdens, and Soul Stopper, who was trained by the Baldings and has been a winner out in Saudi. We've got a dirt sprint qualifier. Last year's winner, Rock Sound, is back in there again to defend his crown. And a Saudi Derby qualifier in which a horse called My Map might go well. He's been really impressive in what he's been doing so far. And youtube.com forward slash equestrian CR live is where you can see all the action. And the International Jockeys Challenge. We spoke last week about Frankie Dottori heading that up. You've got a couple more names to add to an already pretty stellar cast list. Yeah, and quite an interesting um, sort of news story as well with a, a lady called Victoria Alonso. She's going to be the second Spanish female to ride in the Jockeys Challenge. She's 20 years old and she last year finished sixth in the Spanish rankings with 55 winners. 
And we touched on Carlo Ancelotti last week. Well, she's got a link to him as well, because six members of her family spread across three generations, all represented Spain at a national level. And at a club level, they've played for the likes of Ancelotti's Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. And her dad is a bit of a sort of Spanish Mick Sharon, was a football player and is now a trainer, having been a jockey in between as well. So she's been announced alongside Delphine Santiago, she has been a 10 times leading female rider in France. So those two join Caitlin Jones and Chantel Sutherland. And as you say, Frankie Dettori and Joe Moreira all in the lineup as well for that Jockey's Challenge on February 24th. Well, that that was this week's ed- edition of The Road to Riyadh or or Six Degrees of Carlo Ancelotti, perhaps we should we should rename it. Martin, thank you very much. Cheers, Nick. Have a good one. My thanks to Martin, to all my guests today. David Yates is still with me. Tip following shortly. A few little nuggets for you, Dave. Joe Chambers has been in touch, racing manager to Rich Ritchie, regular correspondent to this show and regular listener, I know. Uh, says the Monkfish, because Monkfish has to get a mention on every show. It's like, where's Wally? Continues to please per the update I got last night. So far, so sound. There you go. Hmm. Interesting. You can still so, see the, the old fish at the festival. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, he's, as you say, he's, uh, we have to keep, it's, it's, it's written in statute that we have to keep abreast of Monkfish's progress. So that's good to hear. Absolutely. My, my favorite tweet of, uh, of the last 24 hours came from the Williams Racing, Jane Williams Racing Twitter account, where Daryl Jacob tweeted a picture of him winning the Irish Hennessy at Leopardstown in 2008 on The Listener. And he said, not sure I would see them strides now. To which Jane, Jane Williams Racing, I don't know whether this is Jane or or another member of her family, but she's put, to be fair, I think the listener saw the stride and you just held on. <laughs> Very good. And uh, yeah, not not uh, not enti- entirely out of character. Jane, Jane can be waspish and she normally hits the target when she shoots, doesn't she? Uh, excellent. I enjoyed that one. And um, uh, actor Robert Bathurst, who I, I know listens to the show uh took the time to direct message me yesterday and say you must get a lot of these but to emphasize your global reach i'm enjoying my daily daily in a volcano in nicaragua best robert yeah i'm only sorry i didn't get to see robert in that reworking of a christmas carol the 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 dolly parton uh was a christmas mountain uh in london over the festive period but i hope to catch up and see him in something soon all right david give me a winner for today or whenever 340 at Weatherby, we're going with Lincoln Lynn, number six, successful over fences at Fakenham on New Year's Day. Uh, a small £3 ride in the weights to deal with here, but she's on an upward curve, and I hope she can win this Mayor's event. 340 race at Weatherby selection is number six, Lincoln Lynn. Right, I need to go and chauffeur Richard Kingscote, who has uh, not got a car down here to, to ride track work at Palm Meadows, which I assumed would be just up the road, but it's about an hour and a half away, so fingers crossed we can get him a few more rides. Absolutely, I hope that uh, I hope that that um, turns into a successful foray for Richard. It's he's he's fighting um, something. He's seeking to conquer America, isn't he? Where the Tory has already done that, and I suppose people are um, people are, are rushing to Frankie to ride their horses, and perhaps they're they're unaware of the ability that Richard Kingscott has, which of course we know only too well in this country. Yeah, and gave one, well, his, his only ride yesterday, an absolute peach um, to, to finish third. Dave, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, January the 26th. I'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.